0: This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is prerecorded.
1: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the Renewable Fuel Standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the Rin sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.
2: And guess where this additional billion gallons of biofuel is
3: going to come from? It's going to come from abroad. That's not an American first energy policy. We're in this together. Labor's in this. Building trades are in this. Refiners are in this. American consumers need us to do this, too.
0: Now across the Jacob Media Network, welcome to the Labor and Energy Show Special, exclusively presented by the PBF Energy Paulsboro Refinery and the PBF Delaware City Refinery, in collaboration with the labor unions that build our communities. If you fix this RINs issue, you're looking at a reduction of 25 to 30 cents a gallon. This is the Labor and Energy Show, bringing labor leaders, national experts, and political influencers together to educate you about fancy terms like Rins and Reggie, while explaining the truth about energy independence. Welcome to the Labor and Energy Show with J. Doc and Krause.
2: And welcome, in everyone, to this week's edition of the Labor and Energy Show. This is Joe Krause. We thank everybody for tuning in, along with J-Doc. Got a great show lined up for everyone. John Bland, the business manager of Boilermakers Local 13, is going to give us a RINs and an RFS update. Sean Steffi will join us at the bottom of the hour. And then later on, Peter Gleason, the partner at the law firm of K&L Gates and a member of the Power Pennsylvania Alliance will be with us to talk regional greenhouse gas initiative and a Reggie update. Great show lined up for you, settle in. This is a broadcast of the Labor and Energy Show.
3: You got lots to talk about, Joe. Uh, As you know, we've been talking about the RFS, RINs. We've been talking about Reggie, the uh, Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, for the last several months. Uh, And we're going to continue to talk about them because they're going to impact our lives. They are impacting our lives. Uh, And and so, uh, you know, everything that's going on, you know, we, we're going to have John Bland, Peter Gleason, of course, Sean Steffi, uh, a lot of the big players, and this is a makers, Labor and Energy Special. Yeah,
2: good stuff. Let's bring John Bland in to get us started and get the conversation rolling. John Bland joining us now. Uh, John, welcome into the show. Nice to have you. excited to kind of go through um, in a methodical way as much information as we can over the next hour. Thanks for coming on.
4: Uh, Joe Krause, uh, Joe Doctor. hey, thank you guys for having me, and I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And uh, I appreciate Peter Gleason and Sean Steffi jumping in also. Um, I'm Peter Gleason and those guys are going to touch a lot uh, more on the Reggie tonight, the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, which is tied up right now, but uh, they're going to talk uh, about how it's going to affect Pennsylvania. And you know what? They're going to talk a little more. It's going to affect more than Pennsylvania. You know, this regional greenhouse gas initiative is different. Uh, You have 12, I think it's like 12 other states that are part of Reggie. They all joined Reggie a different way, but Pennsylvania is a different animal. Pennsylvania is the second largest exporter of power, and it's going to be devastating to all those other states. You know, I shouldn't say the word devastating, but increased electric prices is just not going to affect Pennsylvania. But now, hey, thank you for having me, Joe.
3: And, and it's a pleasure to have you, John. And we've been talking about that issue for so long. So, yeah, we're ecstatic to have Sean Steffi, one of the most passionate labor leaders across the land. And, and, and of course, Attorney Peter Gleason, uh, you know, so much going on. And let's uh, in, in your case, we're going to also talk and we'll start the conversation right now. Um, the EPA and, and the county administration just rolled out. Uh, the renewable ethanol volume obligation. What does that mean? The RVO, AKA uh, people, people have talked about uh, the RFS and RINs. Uh, This has been rolled out for 2021 and 2022, and it could, and it will impact and be devastating on gas prices, refinery, our refineries, and and of course our workforce. Touch on it, John, if you will.
4: No problem. Thanks, Joe. I mean, uh, the word saying the RVO that's the renewable volume obligation that that determines how much ethanol is blended into a year and you know the proposal that came out in December the pro- proposal was like thirteen point three billion gallons which is sustainable but now uh, they elevated uh, the twenty twenty two with the final uh, ruling to thirteen point seven nine billion gallons. And the, that's for 2021, because that was never set. COVID and everything slowed everything down. But, you know, what's unsustainable is they rolled out uh, 2022 at 15.25 billion gallons of ethanol. That is going to be hard for our merchant refineries in the Northeast. I mean, we lost PES refinery. One of the reasons why was these high range costs and Rins right now are, are, are the Rins a real wide identification number they had to pick up for not being able to do the massive blending where merchant refineries, which is like a dollar sixty two. You know, so it's 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 that they had to go through this. Everybody thinks that they're making millions and millions of dollars, lots of money. Okay, maybe they are right now to a degree, but not as much as you would think. Some of our refiners took massive debt on over COVID, and nobody gave them any kind of assistance to get out of it. You so, know, we're fighting for our guys to keep working.
2: And and, and- well, I, I'm confused. What is the purpose of raising the RVO? What is that? I mean, help me. I'm help me. I'm you know, help me understand it in layman's terms. What what's the reason why they would do that?
4: Well, I think their assumption is that they say feel like there's going to be uh, more volumes of gas being used. But they're, I don't see where they're getting this from. I mean, it, it really is, I think, an assumption that you're setting that price that high. You know, the EIA reported in 2021 there was about 134.84 billion gallons of gasoline used in the United States. 13.93% of that billion gallons was ethanol. So if you do the math, I I don't understand uh, the formula how they're coming up with this. If I came up with this formula, trying to do the math, these, these should be under 13 billion gallons of ethanol blended.
3: And John, let me just say one thing. At the same time, uh, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about this even now, they're mandating electric cars and and and, and expanding. Uh, the RVO, uh, you know, the the, the volume can we of get, ethanol. Can we
2: get off the electric car conversation? For I mean, can we kind of bury that? Uh, gasoline cars are going to be around for another 35 or 40 years before they make a dent in the ability to be able to, uh, for the for the for everyone that uses an automobile as transportation, to even be able to use it efficiently. I don't even know why it's part of the there, conversation. Well, there are states that are mandating well, I, I could it. tell
4: you that. I'll, I'd love like to speak on that right now, Joe. Go ahead. Uh, the biggest problem we have right now is some of our elected officials uh, not just in Pennsylvania, other states, they're trying to put mandates and they're trying to put law in there that all electric cars by 2035 whatever it may be. But the biggest problem we we have here with electric cars, I have no problem with electric cars. But the biggest problem that I have with it right now all the all those minerals, all those lithium, cobalt, there's not much made in the United States at all, really. The United States does not have that right now. I mean, if they are going to put a mandate in, Congress should be putting a bill in that those minerals should be from the United States. Eighty percent of those minerals or those products or those cars should be coming out of the United States. Otherwise, we're going to be dependent on foreign 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 countries for for our cars.
2: Yeah, I mean, we covered, Jay the statistics about that. on the Labor and Energy Show a week ago or two weeks ago, right?
3: I believe it was John Mills. We had the conversation of the critical minerals, and we talked about uh, what it, it, it what it, the, the damage it's going to do to the environment in regard just to mine them. The fact that a lot of them come over, you know, right now, almost 100 percent of them come, come from overseas in the Congo, slave labor, uh, child labor. Uh, but really... One of the big factors was, the fact of the matter was, was that it's a a devastating uh, situation even thinking about trying to just get rid of all of our current uh, traditional energy-based cars um, and replacing every one of them with an EV, electronic vehicle to try to uh, mine for the critical minerals for the batteries. We have no idea if it's even possible to do that. And the fact of the matter is we're mandating things we don't understand. John? I
4: agree 100%. I mean, if we're going to put mandates in there, I mean, if you've got representatives coming out and say, hey, we're, we're definitely this state, this city is going to all electric cars, listen, let's let's make sure we have these minerals make sure we have this industry to build that up
3: yeah you want you want to mandate you know? the cars mandate the 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 the, um, the mining for the actual critical minerals and all the other products that we're going that are going to take to put into those cars Do, you know don't totally take the ball out of our hands here don't totally bring us to our knees well who's pushing the
2: narrative who's mandating it
3: oh there's different states a lot of our political leaders uh, you know, a, a number of the states. I'm are sure. there
2: political leaders in Pennsylvania that, that are mandating this, John? Where are we
4: at, John, with that? They're, they are pushing that. I mean, they are pushing that by 2035. They are trying to push language in there for electric cars, yes. And is that
2: somebody in a position like Governor Wolf, or is that somebody from—is uh, it state-related, well, or is it federal? You
4: know, you know, Joe, I mean, I really didn't want to get mention names, but I know that there's a lot of them, they think that's the way we should be going and I understand, you know, the climate change, everything like that. But, you know, you got to pick your poison with cars because, you know, there's there's how clean are you going to be with these electric cars with the waste of everything? You can't get rid of these uh, batteries. And they're not recyclable. You can't, can't put them in a landfill. There's going to be other issues pop up. I'm just trying to present something that we need to do something to have legislation that if we're going to go in this direction, that we need to have those important products made in the United States.
3: Exactly. We can't hide those facts. Are we do we have a bunch of political leaders that are Informed? Do they understand what it's going to take to do that? Are they, cover- are they taking our backs in the United States to make sure that the, the critical minerals are mined here? Do they care that there's slave labor happening where it's going on overseas in the Congo and elsewhere? Uh, that's where we got to get these products. Are we here? Do, do I we mean, have-
2: here's my frustration, and I know we're going to get ready to uh, go to the break and continue to move through the through our conversation. Peter Gleason's coming in on the other side. Uh, J-Doc. Sean, we'll go to a break in just a moment. Here's my frustration: these same political leaders that we're talking about. These are the same political leaders who are knocking on the doors of the boilermakers, knocking on the doors of the building trades, knocking on the doors of all the unions, looking for money, looking for support, looking for street people uh, to go out and knock on doors, door knockers. And then all of a sudden they're in office and, and they're swayed by the they're swayed by the left or the extreme. And they're not supporting the locals and the unions who are putting them, who are, who are putting them in office, who are helping them to get elected. I don't understand. That. I also don't think they
3: understand. Really, well, then what, what the it's hell are take they? That-
2: then what are they mandating? it Great
3: for? point, Joe great point
2: john bland is with us tonight spirited conversation along with J doc i'm joe we'll get to our first commercial break on the other side of the break as you said J doc peter gleason will be along john will stay with us and then later on uh coming up sean steffi uh will join us as well as we roll along back in a
0: moment Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know carbon capture and storage can capture more than 90% of CO2 emissions? Did you know? First charted in 1903, Steamfitters Local 420 has been constructing and installing mechanical systems throughout the Delaware Valley for over a century. United by excellence, this local is proud to have worked on projects such as the Sun Oil Refineries, Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and the stadiums for all our Philly teams. From helmets to hard hats, Local 420 represents the history of Philadelphia. Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, Business Manager.
2: Our partnership will enhance your business and your social media presence, guaranteed. That's right, guaranteed. And your monthly cost as low as $500. Plus, you'll work with a 38-year media veteran and a Jacob Media team that dominates on YouTube and utilizes a bucket of assets that will support your professional podcast, all for the low monthly cost of $500. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428.
0: Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager, the Eastern Atlantic States Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers.
2: And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this edition of the Labor and Energy Show. This is Joe Kraus. You're listening in on a conversation now uh, with Peter Gleason, who's going to join us, and he's going to give us a regional greenhouse gas initiative and a Reggie update as provided to J-Doc and I on the Labor
5: Show.
3: And I'm going to introduce uh, and bring uh, Peter in, in a second, but I'm going to read this. On July 1st, unless stopped by the Pennsylvania courts or our elected state legislators in the General Assembly, Pennsylvania will officially become a part of the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, Reggie. This means that all coal and natural gas plants in Pennsylvania... Which comprise two thirds of our in state electric generation will be forced to pay $800 million per year carbon tax or prematurely close. Thousands of union jobs will likely be lost, which in turn will be passed on to Pennsylvania electricity ratepayers. This evening, we're going to talk about Reggie, the implications of Reggie the Pennsylvania Consumers and Organized Labor. Peter Gleason, welcome to the broadcast.
5: Hey, uh, Joe Krause, Jay Doc, It's uh, great, uh, great to be back. I really appreciate you having me back on the show today.
3: Well, it's great to have you. And if you will, answer a question a number of people are, are, are asking, and that is how can our governor... I hope
2: they're asking.
3: Well, how, I, I'm asking, and I can tell you that right now impose how can our governor impose an 800 million dollar tax without first obtaining legislative approval is 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 reggie even legal
5: <laughs> that's a, that is a that is a great question uh i mean you know, the and the, the courts are, are looking at these issues right now um you know the um uh, you know the natural gas uh, and coal-fired uh, electric generation plants, uh, along with uh, organized labor, uh, including the you know, IBEW and the Boilermakers and the United Mine Workers, um, you know, are litigating this issue right now in front of, uh, in front of Commonwealth Court. Um, they're you know joined by uh, you know, business and, and consumer groups, uh, and they're also joined uh, by a bipartisan majority of the General Assembly. Unfortunately, You know, as we found out over the course of the last year, it doesn't matter whether you have bipartisan majority support. You need to have a veto-proof majority in order to overcome uh, a veto from a governor who's been really dug in on this issue. But, you you know, the point that you raised in terms of the size of the tax... Um, I mean, it, it never in Pennsylvania history, you know have we seen an executive agency attempt to advance a regulation as significant as the uh, Reggie electricity tax. Uh, the The sheer scope of the regulation is breathtaking. Uh, according to the uh, the Pennsylvania's independent fiscal office, uh Reggie will cost electricity ratepayers in Pennsylvania more than eight hundred million dollars. Uh, by all accounts, it'll eliminate nearly a third of our in-state generation. Uh, it will restructure electric generation in Pennsylvania. Uh, this is a job for the state legislature, uh, not a renegade governor. Uh, you know, The Commonwealth Court recently had two days of hearings uh, on a motion from plant owners and organized labor um, who had requested the court to issue a preliminary injunction, uh, while the Commonwealth Court and eventually the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, consider the legality and constitutionality of the regulation. Uh, an injunction like that would essentially delay all compliance obligations under the regulation uh, until such time uh, as the uh, as the litigation and appeals uh, appeals are exhausted. And uh, you know, from a ratepayer perspective, and from the perspective of the building trades uh, who represent the blue collar energy workers who work in these plants and support these plants and maintain these plants, uh, we certainly hope this injunction succeeds. Peter
2: Gleason joining us. Peter, I got I gotta ask a dumb question. Why would the governor, who I would I would suggest, sits in the office that he holds, fueled by this pardon the pun, by the support that he receives from all of the unions. That make up the
5: Commonwealth. Why would he want to do that? Well, you know, he, he made a choice, whether it was a political choice or whether it was a, a choice based, uh, you know, on you know, where he is ideologically. But you know, he made a choice to side with the radical climate cult movement, uh, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and 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 not with organized labor and not with the best interest of the ratepayers. Uh, I mean, you know, Reggie is likely to increase costs to electric ratepayers in Pennsylvania by at least 30 uh, percent, and this is on top of the massive electricity rate hikes uh, that uh, the ratepayers have seen just over the last six months. I think in Pico's territory, right, I, was, I was just, just going to say that 22 percent.
3: Right, Pico just announced a, a, another major increase. I was going to ask you, does that have anything to do with Reggie? Yeah, you
5: know it, it. It does. It was. It was interesting. Uh, you know, Reggie is certainly going to increase rates over and above the increases that we've seen in Pico's region. Uh, it went up 22 percent uh, in PPL, which is the uh, the neighboring region. And I'm sure a lot of your listeners, uh, you know, uh, are you know are in PPL territory. PPL electricity rates went up 69 percent in the last six uh, six months, um, and uh, and the most recent increase just. Just was triggered this week. Just on June first, uh, the prices for electricity jumped again. Um, you know, from from what, were, you know, what we learned during one of the recent court hearings, one of the experts, and this was an expert who actually testified in support of Reggie and on behalf of the governor's position on Reggie. He actually acknowledged that the mere threat of Reggie, the likelihood that it would take effect on July first. Uh, has already had an impact on electricity rates, and that's certainly one of the reasons uh, the rates have gone up. Uh, but once, if you know, if Reggie is in place, and we've talked about this before, you know, we lose thirty percent of our electricity generation in Pennsylvania. That's thirty percent of the most reliable, affordable, resilient generation that we have in the Commonwealth. It's it makes the difference between us being a net exporter of electricity or a net importer of electricity. We are right now, as of today, the largest exporter of electricity in the nation. Uh, if Reggie were to take uh, effect, we would no longer have that status and we would be importing our power from coal and natural gas plants in Ohio and West Virginia.
3: And and, and one of the things you mentioned, Ohio, right, in West Virginia. Uh, Joe Kraus just asked why the governor would, governor would be doing this. Here, here's another question. I'm going to take a, sh- a shot at that one. You know, I mean, and, and, and Peter, you mentioned you know, he's bowing down to the far left. Uh, but having said that, I guess it's a, it's, a, it's a bad, you know, obviously our environment. But this is not necessarily going to uh, help our environment. Other states around us are just going to pick up what we're producing, right? And, it, and in, this, in essence, it may not help our environment and, and meet their objective at all. Is that correct?
5: Well, it, yeah, I mean, Reggie, I, I mean, I think it has been proven through, uh, through even DEP's own modeling data, you know, suggests that, you know, that if 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 for every, you know, for, for all of the CO2 that would be eliminated, CO2 emissions that would be eliminated in Pennsylvania as a result of Reggie, which will force these plants to close or to operate much at a, a much lower levels, All virtually all of that, more than 99 percent. Of all of those CO2 emissions, will be offset by increased generation and emissions in Ohio and West Virginia. And, and the other big thing, and the other big thing is Ohio and West Virginia—they're not part of what we call the ozone transport region. So Pittsburgh and Philadelphia, you know, obviously big urban areas, uh, and there are a lot of ozone precursors that you know that are emitted from cars, from industry, and things like that. They're subject to much tighter standards. They're, all the plants all of the emitters are, are subject to much higher standards ohio and west virginia they're not part of the ozone transport region so as they increase generation as their emissions increase that will that will literally just cross the border from ohio and west virginia right into pennsylvania okay so we and are but, downwind from these dirtier plants
3: yeah i mean that's unbelievable and and, and a couple things um, number one, do people, uh, can we, can, can can
2: we get Governor Wolf on the phone right now? I just want to ask him what. Uh, I want to ask him why he's why he why is he supporting this decision? I don't understand why he's doing it. He's getting that much pressure from the political or or or, or, or from the extreme left radical people who I don't understand. Well,
3: let me ask you another question. Since you're, since you're asking questions, <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait a minute.
2: Hey, wait a minute. Is this my show, Peter's show, or J-Doc's show? Well, wait a minute. <laughs>
3: listen, look, question I have is why don't we go I out and knock on all of our neighbors' doors and see how many of them, know, ever heard of the Re- Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative, okay, and are educated on it. You just heard Peter talk about we were, we're downwind from other states that don't have to meet the, the, the uh, specific standards. What we do is we're just, again, shooting ourselves in the foot. And it doesn't meet the
2: objectives, Peter. How inevitable is July first? Yeah. And, and then I'm gonna and then I'm gonna take a break, and we're gonna keep you. You're gonna join us on the other side. Sean Steffi will be with us. John Bland is with us. We just haven't brought him into the conversation yet. We'll do that again. But um, w- tell me about July first.
5: Sure. Uh, it's uh, it's a very serious deadline. Uh, the court. We hope the court will make a decision on the preliminary injunction before the end of this month, before July first. Uh, and we are also uh, continuing to, uh, you know, to advance all efforts within the legislature, uh, who is in the process of negotiating a budget with Governor Wolf at this point, to you know, continue to press this issue and use the budget and the governor's non-REGGI priorities uh, as leverage uh, to do something to uh, delay the implementation of Reggie or to make it go away altogether.
2: Peter Gleason is our special guest. He'll stay with us. On the other side of the break, we'll bring Sean Steffi into the conversation. And then Sean will take over this show, Jada. Oh, yeah. That's a fact. <laughs> Back in a moment.
0: Thanks for listening to tonight's Labor and Energy Special. Now it's time for Did You Know? A public service announcement from the providers of this program. Did you know there are 6,000 products made from petroleum that we use every day? Products like candles, trash bags, fishing rods, shower curtains, paint, umbrellas, tennis rackets, and another 5,993. Did you know?
2: What's a Boilermaker? We're the skilled welders, riggers, and craftspeople who will help you grow your competitive edge. We step up when others step back, and we do the job right, on time, on budget, and safely. No drama, just results every time. We're the international brotherhood of Boilermakers,
0: and everything we do begins with our bond. Let's get to work together. Visit bestintrade.com. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are presented by PBF Energy and supported by members of the labor union community, a collaborative to educate the public and change the narrative.
2: And welcome back, everyone, to this week's edition of the Labor and Energy Show. Hope you're enjoying our conversation with John Bland, Sean Steffi, and Peter Gleason. Sean's going to now join us, and we'll continue our conversation on the Regional Greenhouse Gas Initiative and a Reggie update. How does it affect you?
5: It does. So on July 1st, uh, yeah, again, unless the courts or the General Assembly prevent the uh, implementation uh, and compliance obligations under the Reggie electricity tax. All coal and all natural gas plants in Pennsylvania will have to pay a carbon tax on each ton of CO2 that is emitted from their plants. Uh, That tax just uh, was increased uh, just this week. It was announced yesterday. Uh, It increased uh, to uh, $13.90. When the governor proposed Reggie, Uh, It was $5.20. When the Mm -hmm. governor, uh, as the governor advanced Reggie through the process, he promised, he assured in all of his modeling, he said in 2022, the Reggie electricity tax rate would be $3.24. Today, it is $13.90. It's more than four times higher than what he assured everybody in his modeling it would be.
3: I mean, that's just unbelievable. Let me bring in. Sean Steffi. I mean,
2: I'd like it's, to do, I mean, I'd like to, you know, why, why, do do, do why? 12 special shows every other day leading up to July 1st and rotate legislators and get them on the record, who's in, who's not, and figure out what the hell's
3: going and why, on. And why is it four times more than it was? Let me, let's me let bring in Sean Steffi, uh, who, as we all know, is outspoken and, and very knowledgeable on these issues. Sean, how are you, my friend? How are we doing tonight? I'm doing well. well, it's always great to have you on the program, my friend. uh you know all the statistics. you know the potential devastation uh that it's that it's gonna uh, cost to you know to our uh, refineries to a, a a number of our plants um who obviously uh, you know do do a, a, a great job employing our people and are doing absolutely uh, the best job possible in regards to you know reducing emissions how would you t- tell us how this uh, reggie will impact organized labor from a job standpoint
6: well for me as a boilermaker it really impacts us because as you know from past shows we're fossil fuel driven we build gas coal-fired power plants we maintain steel mills. So this pretty much, you know, puts the carbon tax on our power plants, which are not going to stay open, which means there's no maintenance. There's nothing new being built. We built $14 billion in gas infrastructure here. We haven't seen a stitch of it since Reggie started coming up. And I just think right now at this point where we're at, we're, we're at the crossroads and, and people of Pennsylvania and the people of this country's got to figure out what is the cost going to be to transition yourself into a renewable future, and is it possible? Because if you see where everything is right now, we've just begun. Who can possibly maintain that kind of inflation, gas prices, electricity prices. We need to do it right here. And whether anybody likes it or not, Pennsylvania's key. We're a key player. We got the natural resources, and we're we're just letting it go right now for a green agenda. And I'm not against the renewables, but the renewable jobs ain't going to cut it either for the organized labor. We're not getting them. I got one right now in Portage, Pennsylvania, that's the largest solar farm being built in Pennsylvania, it's $16 an hour, no experience necessary. That's not what organized labor is about. That's a slap on our face with that kind of wages. And if that's the jobs they want us to transition into, it's not going to happen.
3: Sean, tell us about the, uh, the job fair you attended um, for the renewable jobs. So in essence, theoretically, individuals uh, you know, supporters of, of, of 100% renewables would say, well, we'll just train the manpower uh, that's doing in the traditional energy sector and and transition them into the renewable sector. Talk about what that job fair, was, you know, was all about and the type of jobs you're talking about and the, and the actual, uh, you know, like you just mentioned, what the rates are for the workers compared to what you know you're in the, you're, your workers, your skilled workforce, uh, it makes.
6: Yeah, not a problem. So I went to a job fair in Cambria County, sponsored by PA Career from Gemma. First off, it was an out-of-state job broker came in, Hard Hats LLC, to recruit individuals to go to work on that solar farm. I have a phone there. It was sixteen dollars an hour. Okay. So they're telling us here in the past few years that, hey, listen, guys, we need you to transition into these jobs with your training and your skill. Well, the only skill in training in that draw fair was have a valid driver's license, okay? Now, you're talking about trades, my trade alone. We've got a five-year apprenticeship. These are high-pressure tube welders, okay? And the rest of the building trades, we don't even need trained. The electricians... The iron workers, they're ready to build the renewables right now, the operators. So I I don't understand it. Those jobs are not going to organize labor, okay? And I hope it turns around, but right now it's not. And I just think that, you know, this was a big line of you-know-what being proposed early, like this is going to be the jobs of the future. Well, somebody better show me a better kind of pay scale and a family sustaining wage than sixteen dollars an hour. And,
5: and by the way, that's and, and I just I wanted to, I wanted to weigh in on that point. I think yeah you know, we have a prevailing wage act in uh, in Pennsylvania, and it essentially says when government funds are involved in a, uh, in, a in a construction project, uh, that the project has to pay prevailing wage. Meanwhile, these wind and solar projects are receiving hundreds of millions of dollars in subsidies that ratepayers that you and i and and all of your listeners are are paying and uh, and they're not paying for prevailing wage they're paying as, as sean just indicated 16 bucks an hour and then once these things are constructed there really are no operational jobs i mean except perhaps the guy who has to pick up the dead birds or shine the panels uh they just they just don't exist
3: yeah and how what how much do we lose in in the, in the tax base here like we're, we're our, our workers are are, 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 are being shafted, okay? Uh, you can't, one of the things that really ticks me off when we talk about even non union um, employers is they undercut the union employers, okay? Not by a lot, but they do enough to get the job. But they pay such low wages the people who have those jobs can't afford to live in the neighborhoods in the cities where the jobs We're are. We're not
2: talking about that. That's I'm just this is that, an employer. This is the this is these are political these are people in political office making decisions that we or the union community has supported and they're shunning them on this vote and they're going to put people out of work they're going to erode the tax base for a, for a false narrative our understand they're
3: undercutting our pay rates but what i'm saying in the process okay but so much that the people that they're employing will not be able to live in the neighborhoods or the states unless they all live in one house. And by the way, I've seen that happen. Every 80 non-union workers or, by the way, people who are doing renewables in that new industry, living in the same apartment building because they can't afford a house. They're not just uh, you, know, screwing the union community. The people that are coming in, it's going to be slave labor. And that's 16 bucks an hour these days. That's slave labor.
2: Before you even get to that step, and I'll, 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 I want to get Peter and Sean back in the conversation. You and I can debate and sure. talk about it for the rest of the hour. I get <laughs> it. I, I, I get it. But before you even get to that statement, the people that are screwing the union and the workers and everybody else right now are the or political the we support. Yeah. I don't understand it.
3: It's a joke. Sean, jump in there, brother.
6: Yeah. I, I just think that we got ourselves in a predicament here on energy, and it really shouldn't even be political It is the heartbeat of an economy. Okay, it starts the ripple effect the whole way down to your food prices. I mean, we've got to somebody's. We got to have rational people get and sit at the table and come to some rational decisions. And we're not there. We've got ourselves too far apart. And at the end of the day, we've got to use energy, and energy spawns. An economy, and we're losing it right there, and uh, we've got people right now that are struggling to financially to get through, and we've just begun summer. We've just begun to transition into this green, you know, renewable stuff. We're not, we can't. How much can the people endure? We're going to have to frack we're gonna have to mine and we're gonna have to produce electricity and we could do it right here in pennsylvania and i've told you this before technology's moving forward we got hydrogen we got carbon capture carbon we gas. need to move forward natural gas we're not we're stymieing our natural gas industry they can't we can't get pipelines we got it's got to stop something's yeah. gonna have to give here or we're heading down the wrong road. Peter, this
2: is not a political uh, discussion. It's there's bi- Is there bipartisan support to kill this legislation?
5: There is, there is bipartisan support to kill this legislation. Virtually every Republican in both the House and Senate, I think there were three exceptions in the House, and uh, about a third... Of the Democrats in the Senate and about uh, 25%, about 27 House Democrats uh, were all opposed to this. Unfortunately, when you add all those numbers up, they don't get to what we call a veto proof majority in Pennsylvania. We, we so when the governor vetoes legislation, we were, one vote we, were shy one vote, we were one vote shy. We were one vote shy. And I'll be honest with you, unfortunately, uh, we lost uh, Senators uh, Tina Tartaglione and Senator John Kane who were opposed to Reggie throughout the process and I'm sure still opposed to Reggie but you know the governor you know threatened um you know all you know significant capital budget projects in their district if they were to if they were to support the the override of his veto and and I don't mean to you know to you under you know you underestimate you know the you know the importance of you know a you know a member of the house or senate overriding a governor from his or her own party. It is significant. It doesn't happen. Um, uh, and it didn't happen in this instance. Uh, but, you know, I, I think, you know, a lot of things have changed even since then. I mean, inflation is through the roof. Energy costs through the roof. None of your listeners think they're paying, uh, you know, too little for electricity. I mean, this is this is why, if you want to get a sense as to what the climate cult movement, which is very well-funded, you know, by billionaire elites, they're funded by companies who benefit from wind and solar. If you want to get a sense to, as to the future, they, uh, you know, they, they they want. All you have to do is just read the read the newspapers. They want they want electricity prices to go through the roof, so people use less electricity and they use less and en- energy. Uh, they want people to you know to rely on this unreliable, weather-dependent sources of electricity. Um, that, you know, that ultimately um, will lead to brownouts and blackouts. I mean, just look at the grid to our northeast, uh, which is comprised of all ready states, I might add. They're threatening that this summer there are going to be brownouts. Uh, And our grid to our west, um, which is the MISO grid, they are threatening this summer there are going to be brownouts. And there are a lot of states in that grid, uh, especially in Illinois, where they adopted very aggressive anti- natural gas, anti-coal-fired electric generation policies, and as a result, they're, gonna, they're, gonna, they're looking at brownouts. How do you run an economy uh, on brownouts? How do you keep your house cool when the electricity is not working, or when you can't afford to pay for the electricity? How do you keep the heat on during the winter? when you can't afford to pay for electricity if, you, if in fact, your electricity user is earned or if you can't afford natural gas. That's the future that this movement intends for the United States.
2: Peter Gleason, uh, Sean Steffi, thank you so much for uh, joining us tonight. Uh, Peter, hope to catch up with you offline. I'd like to put a battle plan together for the next 20 days uh, and figure out how we can continue to um, attack the narrative um, in a very aggressive way with uh, with content, conversation, and education Let the, the public
3: know what they can do.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great stuff. Thank you guys for joining us. We'll take a commercial break. John Bland uh, will stay with us. We'll finish up with John, who was quiet. He was listening, but he was quiet. Uh, we'll bring John in on the other side of the break. Back in a moment.
1: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.
2: Our partnership will enhance your business and your social media presence, guaranteed. That's right, guaranteed. And your monthly cost is low as $500. Plus, you'll work with a 38-year media veteran and a Jacob Media team that dominates on YouTube and utilizes a bucket of assets that will support your professional podcast, all for the low monthly cost of $500. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428.
0: Portions of tonight's labor and energy special are being supported by the members of the labor union community, including Steamfitters Local 420, Jim Snell, business manager, the Eastern Atlantic State's Regional Council of Carpenters, and the United Steelworkers.
2: We have John Bland, Jay Doc, and now John Doherty uh, joining. John, welcome in to, as a guest here uh, in hour number one. Your show starts at the top of the hour, brother. Thanks for coming on.
7: Yeah, two, you know, two completely different issues, but have to let you know. I mean, John Bland and Jimmy Snell and the Boilermakers International and the UA International have done a fabulous job of keeping these issues alive. There hasn't anything that they've said, okay, that hasn't come true as it pertains to energy. Okay, I, you know, the work that Monroe, the work at you know, uh, Marcus Hook, the work is meticulous. Safe, prepare for the future. I mean, it's unbelievable that that I have letters from the contractors who have said that the skill sets of the people on that are second to none here, across everywhere, across America, anywhere they go. Okay. This is so frustrating that in the last couple of days and in the last few weeks, okay, that our friends, people who, you know, we supported not just in presidential and congressional and elections most recently, but have had 20 year relationships with continue to, you know, take a pulse of how far to the left they can go or how far to the right somebody else went and use energy, you know, as a political pawn. And you can't do it. Somebody's got to call it out. You got to stop. You got, I mean, listen, they, they, they read and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to clear something up today. And that's one of the reasons I want to get on. I was in contact with a good friend of ours. OK, who's in the car business. And he said to me, owns seven or eight, nine, you know, car dealerships. And I said, man, you must be really hurt. And He said, John, to be honest with you, it's the opposite. I said, what do you mean? The people are hurt. I said, what do you mean? He said, listen, I can get my hands on cars. I don't have to get loans. He said, when they come in, they move right off the lot. People don't, we don't have to give any deals. If you notice, there's no incentives out there to hunt off this car. We don't have to do it. Same thing with energy. People are saying, oh, people are making money. Yeah, they're making money because they don't have their they, – they sell its supply and demand. The only people who are getting hurt, okay, are the people who work in these facilities and have prepared America to be energy efficient and the people who are going to be paying more for gas a gallon. They're going to be paying more. If they continue to keep the RINs at 160 and they keep making these other changes and they, they say they're only moving them up increments – Well, they're increments that they've misled us on because they told us they weren't going to move them. So I apologize for coming on and ranting and raving a little bit, but, you know, I I know this issue well, okay? I've watched these guys bleed this issue. I've watched them transcend two different, completely different administrations. And not one person on either administration have really kept their word, and they just continue to play. You know, it's ridiculous right now. You know, you know, we're going to go to $6 a gallon in pocket. Yeah. John
2: Doherty checking in here in hour number one. We'll uh, bring John back in quickly. The John Doherty hour starts uh, coming up here at 7 o'clock. Uh, John Bland, I got 30 seconds for you before we say goodbye, but I do want to give you last word uh, on this labor special. Johnny Doc, I'll see you in about six minutes on the other side, brother. You
7: guys got it. Hey, John. It. H- hang in there, John. You do all the right things for them, members, and I'm going to tell you, without John Bland, okay, and what you do and what Jimmy Snow and, and what the Boilermakers have done stepping up to make this issue, I mean, people would just let this issue just go away. Okay? No, we're not safer. No, we don't have our gases unbelievably high, and we're going to close refineries that we just spent two years making as safe as anywhere in the world.
3: Awesome. John Bland? I
4: appreciate everything and thanks for having everybody on tonight. Yeah, Joe, Doc, Joe Krause, I, I tell you what though, I just see the devastation, and I think, you know, this we talked about the RFS, the RFO, our RVO decision that was rolled out, and you know, it's one of the biggest things I have right now is I don't do think it quick, we have brother. A do short- it quick, Johnny. Johnny, do it quick. We have. I don't think we have a crude shortage. I think we have a refining problem right now. And with a good RVO decision, we would have fired up the Paulsboro Refinery probably very shortly and have to be able to create more product. Right now, the Northeast is on the brink of a diesel shortage also. And I appreciate everything you guys have done for us. Yeah, great stuff, John, Thank John. Brown. Thanks for checking in, brother. Stay with us.
2: And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this special edition of the Labor and Energy Show. We hope you were informed and we hope you learned a lot from our special guest today. Don't forget, we'll be right back here uh, one week from today along with Jay Doc. I'm Joe Krause. We thank everyone for being a part of the labor and energy movement. We will educate the public. We will change the narrative. See you next time, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening to tonight's labor and energy special. You can help. Call your congressperson before the upcoming midterm elections and join the movement to push back on RINs. This program is paid for by Jacob Media Partners. All opinions or statements expressed on this program are solely those of Jacob Media or its guests and do not reflect the views of WPHT or Odyssey. Today's program is pre-recorded.
1: PBF Energy wants you to know hidden RIN costs are adding almost 30 cents to every gallon at the pump and pushing independent American refineries to the brink. It doesn't have to be this way. President Biden can lower gas prices and protect thousands of union refinery jobs by fixing the renewable fuel standard. And he should. Visit fuelingusjobs.com slash take action to urge President Biden to stop the RIN sanity and fix the renewable fuel standard today.